Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to The Come Up. I'm your host, Nell, with your co-host, Lachelle. And today, we have a special guest. We have Mr. Ed Withers, good friend of mine. We go way back, way, way back, really good friend of mine, over 30 years. Uh, let me give a little background. Ed is a, he's an educator, uh, holds a master's degree in education. So he's an educator for the Ann Arbor Public Schools. He's also a social activist, a political activist. Uh, I believe you, he, are you still a precinct delegate? Precinct. No. Uh, but I know you no, have that. I'm no longer doing that, no. Okay. But you ha- you were once a precinct delegate. Correct. And I, I know you were very active in democratic uh, politics. So I uh, definitely wanted to get you on the air and get your take on some of the events that are that, that are currently uh, taking place and have been going on for the last uh, week and a half to two weeks now. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's uh, let's get started. I mean, for me, you know, it's nice to see this broad, diverse coalition of uh, young people, young and old people, out demonstrating, uh, mostly peacefully demonstrating. Uh, and and coming together and, and and really supporting what we know should happen. I mean, police brutality, things like this, this blatant racism that we see, it's it, it's shocking that it is still going on in 2020. You know, it, it, it's shocking, and uh, that needs to come that that needs to come to an end immediately. And it's just nice to see that. We've got a broad, we finally seem to have a broad coalition, I mean, all over the country of people coming together to protest this kind of blatant racism that we, we are seeing, uh, you know, in the police departments throughout the country. We see it everywhere. We see it everywhere. And it's got to end. What are your thoughts? Well, initially, I've said, here we go again. You know, yep. I feel like this, this is a continuous cycle mm-hmm. throwing you know we complain about the judicial system mm-hmm. police brutality nothing comes of it someone gets killed gets media then you know the further we get away from that that incident things go back to normal right right however this one feels a little different yeah it seems um, a little different Florida. yeah you know when i you know when you look around the world and it's showing um, people supporting Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Uh, see the young people, as you just spoke of, out there in protest and sticking out. Maybe this is the death yeah. that will start the change that we need, or else we're going to go back into that cycle. Right, right. And it is nice to see uh, people embracing black, the fact that Black Lives Matter everywhere. You're seeing that. Um, it, it, I, it, it, it's really encouraging. I'm encouraged by that. But, you know, above and beyond the protest, above and beyond, uh, you know, the demonstrations and everything, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is just hitting on, I want to hit on some of the things that we want, that I want to see happen legislatively. Some of the changes in the police department, some of the changes in the cities, we got to see change in the cities and the police departments. We got to see 
we, we, we got to see legal changes uh, there. That way we prevent this sort of thing from happening again. So I just want to see what your thoughts are on some of these things that I thought about that I, that, you know, I, I personally think that if we, we implement these things and we start to see these things take place uh, in police departments, in cities, in states, we can really prevent some of this police brutality and some of this bitter racist behavior that we we're seeing that's all over. We could, we could start to see it come to an end. And one of the things that, you know, I'm an insurance guy. And one of the things that I've heard about, and I want to, I'd like to see this uh, implemented throughout the country. That is police officers kind of like other professionals need to have a light. It needs to be mandatory that they have a liability policy, right? Kind of like doctors, doctors have malpractice insurance. If police officers had liability policies, professional liability policies, where every time these guys out there do something uh, and you know somebody files a complaint, that goes against their insurance, their liability insurance. And that, that's where you begin to hit these guys where it hurts, right, in the pocketbook. Because if you make it mandatory that every police officer has to have professional liability insurance, and they have to pay that premium. Every time that they have a claim against them, that premium is going to go up to the point where they may not be able to afford to even keep, uh, continue to do the job. If they don't get fired, they're, you know, the cost of keeping the liability insurance is going to be too much to even make sense for them. Right. So I think, you know, that's how you start to really systemically change things by just requiring that they have professional liability insurance. Therefore, they're held financially responsible for misbehavior. What do you think about that? I was wondering where you where you're going with the whole insurance part of it. The yeah. you explained it. Uh makes perf- uh, perfectly good sense to do yeah. something like that. Uh another thing that I heard uh well sort of flashed by as I was looking at the news today online is that they're gonna they're talking about coming up with a national database so that yeah. you cannot get fired or, or resign from one department because you was you wasn't up to par and then go right. off to another city, you know. Yeah, and, isn't that something? Right. Yeah. How, so yeah, isn't that something man these guys just bounce around from department to department. And see I I was I thought we already had a national database or some way of tracking that. And, I, you know, so when I saw it, I'm kind of like, wow. Yeah, we, we, right. we should have had that already. You know? Right. Uh, right. And it's it's the same violators, right? You get the same guys who are out there, you know, uh, uh, you know, beating up people and practicing police brutality and, and everything. They, they go from one police department to another doing the same old thing. Well, and it's as if their records don't follow. Well, well Officer Chauvin, or Chauvin, or I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing Chauvin. that correctly. Yeah, Chauvin. Uh, he's had multiple incidents within the Minnesota Police Department. Uh, right. Minneapolis uh, Police Department, including shootings. It, right. uh, most officers go their entire career having not ever had to fire their uh, their firearm. And here he is. He's involved in, I think, two or three shootings. 
Right. And that, I mean, I don't, does it get more serious than that? A guy involved in multiple shootings? My gosh. At one point, and that's the thing. What isn't, there needs to be a cutoff, right? In terms of complaints. Some of these guys have 10, 15, 20 complaints against them. And they're still able to get a job or keep their job. For instance, if I if there if there was a founded um, accusation of abuse between me and a student, I'm pretty sure I won't have a job long. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not going to give me 15 times, 20 times. They're not. That's not going to happen. No. Nor no. should they. No, no, no. Nor should they. Right, and, and that's and that's the thing in education and all other professions there there is a high level of accountability so professionals are held they're 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 accountable for their actions they're held accountable for their actions and you just don't see that in the police departments now you know another thing that i wanted to mention too is isn't it interesting how in cities that might be 80% african american or just let's just say majority African-American, we don't seem to see majority African-American police force. Now, you don't see that in other areas. So there needs to be, if, if you have a city that's, that's majority African-American, there needs to be a majority African-American police force. Right? I, told, I totally agree. In addition to that, we need to get back to community policing where officers actually walk the neighborhood, ride through the neighborhood, know the residents that live there, and they, the residents know the officer. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because that, that's another point that I wanted to make. And, you know, here in, in, in Metro Detroit, particularly in the cit central city of Detroit, there used to not only be that, but there used to be a residency requirement. Right. Right. And we need to get back to that because if you if you require that the officers live in the city they work, there's got to be there's there's going to be a higher level of accountability. Okay, what because, I was saying with the residen residency uh, requirement, there was some laws or something that was passed, or I guess they kind of found that um, against their rights to, you know, have them you know make it mandatory that they live within the city limits. So mm -hmm. I think with the city of Pontiac you had to live within 20 miles or something like that of, mm -hmm. of the city. Um, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was a good thing that Coleman Young started in the city of Detroit because the same thing was happening. Right. With their stress unit. Right. Right. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. You, you read about that. I know you know about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the, the you know, the residency and if that can't be implemented, then something close to it. Yeah. Uh, you either have to live uh, in close proximity to the city where you're working or, you know, the, the, the full comprehensive community policing needs to take place because these guys are disconnected from the communities they're policing. And there's this us versus them attitude. You see it played out and you just can't have that. No, it's, it's a shame. One, we need a cutoff point. How many opportunities are you, yes. you going to give someone a chance to kill someone? Yes. If, if I went out and harmed a citizen, just as who I am right now, there's going to be some repercussions. Some That's right. So 
you know, when it comes to police officers, they should be held to even a higher standard because they're there to enforce the law. How are you gonna right. how are you gonna have me for it and tell me to enforce to do the right thing or abide by the law when you're not doing it? That's right. That's right. So yeah, that, there, there's gotta be there there's gotta be a cutoff, you know, in terms of violations. Have in terms to be of some fear because I would speed all the time, so to speak, if I wasn't afraid of hurting myself or getting a ticket, uh, you know, <laughs> or, or, or worse. So there's yep. fear there. And right. we don't like to talk about that in today's, you know, environment. Mm-hmm. We don't like to use that word or talk about being fearful, but it keeps things in checks and balances. Yeah. And they don't, and that's a very good point. Very, very good point. They don't have any fear right now. I mean, this is, this has got to be why they're creating, they, many of these guys have multiple violations and complaints. There's no fear of being fired. The only time you, you use know. the word fear is when they're in defense of their actions. Oh, I was, I was afraid for my life. I was, mm-hmm. you know, he was a huge person. I thought he was going to hurt me. I was, I was afraid of this. You know, I mean, if I understand that the job itself comes with its own inherent uh, risk, but if you're that afraid, maybe this is not the occupation for you. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, okay, if you're if you're that afraid, then you know, and and and, and I'll even concede, maybe you can do the occupation. You just can't do the job in this city, right? It gets back to the, you know, you work where you're comfortable. It gets back to, gets back to the fact that if you're not comfortable policing an African American majority African American city, then maybe you should police. You should work in a, in a city that's that's something else that's predominantly white or a place where you're a little more comfortable. But you can't work in a place where you know, I mean it's clear in most instances there's no real reason to fear for your life. But you're pulling out your gun and you're you know, doing all these unnecessary, excessive things. And, and, and there's just no reason for it. And, and the video cameras are, are proving that. I mean, who knows what he would have said, and, 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 you know, without the cameras, without the video. Correct. Uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. And she said, well, I don't think, I don't think necessarily think he was racist. I just think that he was mean to want to hurt somebody. And, I said, my response to that was, I said, I'm going to have to disagree somewhat. There's no proof that there was, it was racially motivated, but there's no proof that it was not. And I think that a lot of these, uh, a lot of white people or other cultures grew up with very little interaction with black people. Their knowledge of black people is based on, you know, when you're watching a, 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 a drug raid on TV or something like that, and they're kicking the door in of a crack house or they're in some lighted inner-city neighborhood, you know, cracking down on crime or whatever. But they've never personally interacted with Black people. So their image is that we're, we're just violent, you know, people, uh, you know, we're just, we, we're just out to, to hurt people, uh, break right. laws. And stuff like that. Right. And so, with with that in your mind, subconsciously, I think it makes it a lot easier. And you know, there's it's not based on fact, but mm-hmm. you know, everything that I've seen and conversations I've had and, and talked to other mm-hmm. people 
subconsciously they have this idea, ideology of who a black person is, and they and it, it, I think it affects their judgment with their interactions. You know, let, let's just be honest. A, a lot, of, a lot of times, black people will stretch their minds to come up with a, 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 an excuse or an apology for something that is blatantly racist. It, it, it just baffles me why we do that when we know that this country has a long history of racism. Yeah. It, I really don't understand how, why people do that. It doesn't benefit you to do that. We are trying to have a very constructive conversation throughout the nation about racism and rooting it out. Right. And you get people who want to pretend like it doesn't exist or it's not as bad as 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 we see it is. It it, it just it, it just well, baffles me. I don't understand. Some of that is ignorance because I'm uh, last year my fraternity, one of my fraternity brothers, uh, debated me. You know because I I was explaining to him a lot of the police departments, including Detroit Police Department, started as. Uh, Slave patrols. That's right. And I'm glad that. That's what most po- police, the police department started back in what was it, 1865? Correct. Right after we gained our freedom. And I was, I was trying that's, to explain that's exactly them. what they were. That's what they were deter- that, That's what right. they described. It. And they were volunteering. They were volunteering to do that in a lot of in yeah. a lot of cases. So they wouldn't even get a check, but they it was happy to oblige or to uh, assist in that manner. Uh, mm-hmm. And we have to understand yeah. that. And then, if you told every day something negative about an individual or a group of individuals, and that's, you're going to believe and, and that's embedded in your brain, that's what you're going to grow up to believe. Mm-hmm. And right. there's a daily brainwashing that we all go through, or that they take us through. They take them, they brainwash. The propaganda goes like this. Black people are at the bottom economically. Black people are the most sickly. Black people are the most criminal. You know, black people are, you name the negative and we're it in America. And that's a daily, that's a daily brainwashing that is put out there in the media daily, daily. And we'll, you cannot and watch we'll any media. We allow it. Yeah, and we allow. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. Yeah, absolutely. We don't strike back. Right. We don't have any art. We don't have any organizations that really counteract that. And so th- this is why I'm, I'm. I am very encouraged because you got, you got a lot of young people and a lot of people in general, including whites, who are invoking a different spirit. They're saying, you know what? Enough's a fucking enough. Right. Right. You know. Well, Michelle, do you want to chime in? Go ahead. Go ahead, Ed. I think that we have, there's there's so many different layers of this that has the worked. Uh, one, we have to get, we have to learn how to police ourselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's very important, getting ourselves together, being responsible citizens within our own neighborhoods. Also, mm-hmm. be involved in the political process. I don't think the political process, just like voting, is going to change the situation or what's going on, but it's a start. And just being involved, being part, being aware 
being active, speaking up, working together as a community, then we can start demanding things and stop chasing, giving our money away, spending our money where it's not wanted, spending our money when we're not getting the results that we want. Why are we doing that? One thing, if you, if you go back to uh, the civil rights movement, uh, particularly uh, the, the Montgomery uh, bus boycott, one of the things that he mm-hmm. taught us, those people held out for over a year. Mm-hmm. That's some discipline. Yes. That's some dedication. Not spending the money. That means dedication. So when we controlled the dollars, we got your attention. Oh, you got their attention. Absolutely. When you when you start to uh, exercise your spending differently, yeah, that's when you get their attention. Absolutely. I'm going to call it responsible spending. Just out there, you know, we just, you know, we get the more money we get, the greater consumers that we um, become. But what are we actually putting our money in that's going to work for us and controlling our dollars? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we've got to take a hard look at that. And so I have real conversations. And, you know, we hear all type of conversations. Is, is LeBron better than Jordan and all that? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, I love sports like the next guy, but mm-hmm. let's have some conversations about some meaningful ideals and plans that will help not only an individual, but the community or as a whole. Right. I, you know, it's funny. I always say that, that young people are distracted. Young black people are distracted by sports and entertainment. And older black people, and so and I know a lot of older black people are going to push back on this and, and maybe say that's not fair, that's not right, you shouldn't say it's a distraction, but they're distracted by religion, right? They're overly invested in, you know, religion and the afterlife and, and, and all of that, right? They, and so they keep us distracted in both ways. Both groups are distracted by those two things. And see, that's, a, that's another reason why I have encouragement with this uh, Floyd situation, because I'm starting to see mm-hmm. the clergy, heads of the church say, hey, names are saying, let's get down on our knees and pray. Also, let's, mm-hmm. let's have some mm-hmm. actionable items. What are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. Let's come up with a plan, a viable plan, so this doesn't keep happening. Uh, and what, what I hear you saying is, and this, this is very important, it's an important point you're making, when you say get involved, what you're saying is, I think what you're saying is, we need to not just vote, we need to have dialogue with our elected officials. We need to not make uh, assumptions that they're gonna advocate on our behalf. We need to force their hand to advocate on our behalf. We need to start picking up the phone and contacting our elected officials and saying, this, 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 and this is what we would like to see happen within the police force and the police departments. These particular changes, Correct. right? Correct. We so can't just put people in office. It's like if you hired me right. or I hired you, even though we've, we've been friends for over 30 some years, mm-hmm. we're going to make sure that each other are doing what is required. You know, are you, are you helping the situation? Or are you making the situation worse? The rules still apply. Mm-hmm. And exactly. you can't just vote someone in office. Okay, put them there. And then you vote them. When their term is up, you vote for them again or whatever. No, mm-hmm. you got to put, if they're not doing 
what we voted them in there to do, then we got to go to the next step, getting them out of there. How soon can we get them out of there? How soon can we make noise? Put them, put them on blast in, in the in, in media and so forth, and put the pressure on them. We get relaxed. Well, see, absolutely. But I think many of us came up thinking that our vote was enough, right? So we stop with our vote. We go to the ballots. We, you know, we 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 are voting, uh, and we encourage other people to vote, and we think that's enough. We put our guys in office, and that's enough. But that isn't enough. We're seeing that that isn't enough. You know, we we got to have dialogue with the people that we put in office and regularly remind them of what they need to do for us, how they need to advocate what for they us. What they learn from Farrakhan? He doesn't depend on, you know, the white media for this or, or, you know, this program for food or assistance or a handout. He figured out a way, a way where his organization, whatever they need, they can create. And what that does is, since he's not dependent, he doesn't owe anybody anything. He, he can feel free to say whatever he wants. Very, very powerful point. Very, very <laughs> well, he, powerful he says point. what he wants, and what are you going to do about it? Because he's not dependent upon you, right? And we're so he's not dependent. We'll allow other other organizations, and, I, and I'm sure sometimes it starts out um, as a meaningful gesture or innocent gesture, mm-hmm. but what happens is we get compromised. So then our message mm-hmm. gets lost. Instead of saying, and some people would say that, and you and I talked about this offline. Some people would say that about our most uh, revered organizations, uh, for you know the NAACP and others, that when you go there, the message is so watered down, and, and that is because the financial contributions that they live on are coming from places that aren't, they're not yeah. our community. And so they have to be very careful about how they craft the message, the kind of message that they're crafting. They, they, they are walking on eggshells. And so it becomes a very watered down message coming from these organizations that are supposedly there to only represent and speak for us. But, they, but, but like I said, to hear them speak for us, it, it, you know that this is an organization that's being as careful as possible. They're not speaking from us for us in a full-throated way they're they're you know they're, they're couching what they have to say and who they're going to confront very and carefully a lot of these black leaders of yesteryear that's still hanging around i'm not going to use any names but i'm sure you can kind of figure it out <laughs> uh you don't see them when the cameras are rolling where are you the other 364 yep. days of the year this is a fight that we have to do day in day out this is this is a lifelong job. It is not something where, you know, well, this month such such happened. We need to do this. No, mm-hmm. day in day out, we need to make sure that um, whatever's put in place or what needs to be put in place, it's it's ongoing work, and we can't just sit back when the cameras are rolling. Here you come. We see these leaders come out of nowhere. Oh, here's so such. Right. That means nothing to me. And right. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, we, we have to we have to 
really broaden uh, the, the bench of leaders, right? We don't need guys that are super prominent out there. We just need, we need more workers, right? We need more people who have frequent dialogue, who are willing to engage with uh, the elected officials and who can craft, help them craft. Even if you're not, you don't have to be a right. lobbyist to craft legislation, but you can help craft language and say, okay, this needs to go into the bill because these are the things that, you know, are going to prevent police brutality. Just some of the things that I mentioned, for instance, I mean, these are the kind of things that they're common sense things that will definitely curb. One of the key things that I heard the other day, Roger Goodell, uh, NFL commissioner, Uh came out and said, without black people, there would be no NFL. (laughs) Right. I mean, we'd be be watching like a, a second tier yeah, you 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 take the black people out of the NFL and you'd be watching like a JV, be the equivalent of watching right. JV instead of varsity Look, football. You know, it, it just wouldn't be the same. You wouldn't be watching the, best. the power in what he just said. What he what he said. Right. Yeah. And that goes to show you that we've got a broad coalition of people who've decided to lock arms with us right now. And we don't want to miss this moment. This is not the moment to let anyone off the hook for their racism, uh, pretend like it, it's not as right. bad as it is. This is the moment to, for us to go to the table and make a big ask, a financial ask, right? We need to ask for something that is tangible, not just civil rights. And you know where I'm going with this. I'm talking financial. We need to have some financial set-asides. You can use the word reparation, financial set-asides a a, a uh, uh, set aside for small business, black small businesses. We need money. And I'm not talking school vouchers or college tuition or anything like that. I'm talking about money for for us to build an economic base because that's really that's really you know where power that, starts. That's the only way America. we can start uh, equaling the playing field. Um, if you if you go yep. back to uh, Roosevelt and New Deal and all that, those programs were great. However, because of racism, uh, systemic racism, most blacks were not able to take advantage of those programs. Even That's right. the GI Bill, right. blacks have fought in every war this country yep. has been involved in. To come right. home. We're still a nigger. He, he even had the double V right. campaign during World War II. You know, blacks, you know, it was, you know, hey, help us win this war. Come home, and then we'll we work this thing out about this whole racist uh, society thing. It never happened. So, right. you know, it was supposed to be, it was supposed right. to be a victory of, abroad and victory when he came home. And, you know, and, and, right. And that's the thing that that's the thing that you want to tell these these people who are so quick to apologize for racism or to to pretend like it's not there. We have been double crossed and double dealt and you know tricked so many times in this country. This this is why people came out so strongly against the Drew Breeses of the world. You know, talking about my grand, his, his grandfather served in the in, in you know in World, right. World War II, he said or something. I mean, look at my grandfather right. served. 
I mean, look at how many people can say that, how many African-Americans can say that, but their grandfathers also came back and were discriminated against and, and so well, on. I, I mean, know, come on. I keep going back to World War II because uh, it was such a significant part of our history. Hitler used that as propaganda. What are y'all fighting for? What are you Negroes fighting for basically over here when, when you're getting treated like crap back at home? Exactly. Right. Right. And I think we're finally at the point now where we're speaking truth to power, where all of us are we're yeah. conscious. As a collective, we're conscious and we're saying, wait a minute. You know what? Our biggest enemy is actually you. It's you. It's an internal enemy. It's you. Always and and, and I heard people say this. With your foot on my neck, it's you. No, take your foot off. We talked about it when they tried to get when he when exactly. he induction into the Iron Churches. He was like, "Vietnam is not his enemy." He said, "You're pointing at the white man. You're my oppressor." That's right. That's right. You want us to go out and fight for Have your around the world. But your car doesn't line up. Your your interests don't line up and, and, with and, my interests. And to this day, the funny thing is, there's no clear cut reason why we even entered Vietnam. There's <laughs> <It's, laughs> exactly. what we fighting for over there. I don't want to hear about shred communism and all that. I, I, it, that's not what we're over there for. Whatever it was, you can right. You can you can rest assured it was economic. Right. Right. And for those who might say, oh, boy, you guys sound like you hate this country and all of that. No, we are both individuals who love this country, who, you know, we've taken advantage of things that, that I, mean, I mean, the laws of, of this country. And we, we, we have mostly love for this country. However, we do reserve the right to be critics of the country. Right. We can critique this country. We can st- this country still has a long ways to go to 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 you know, really extend all of the benefits to people well, like we're, us. We're starting to fall behind because we're supposed to be the leaders of the free world and greatest country on earth. But when you look at ed- education, I think we fall like 18th. I mean, think of that. And a lot, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's becoming a national security issue because they're having to get foreign help, foreign students to come over here with the te- to use the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's kind of like sports, right? It's kind of like sports. If you, in terms of academics, if you extract out many of mm-hmm. the international students, where would yeah. we really be in, 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 in terms of education? It's like sports. If you extract out all the African-Americans, where would we really be? You know how we, we you know, everybody gets uh, sort of psyched up for the Olympics to see, you know, who, which country is going right. to, come out on top well you you take out the blacks in the olympics our participation in the olympics and where would america really be (laughs) right where 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 would we be yeah uh, we we have a long way to go you know when i hear someone make america great again what was great what 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 period can you point out to me where you can say it was great was it great it was great for right. all, I should say. And I don't think there's no right. period 
in our history that says it was great for all. I know it wasn't. So yeah, yeah it's a work. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. But you know, those there are those out there who want to turn back the clock or keep things the way they are, uh, and we're just not having it. Where these these are not. Uh, the days of old where we're just going to sit back and and shut up and pretend like we don't see what, what is right in front of our faces. And we have to have open and honest dialogue like we're doing now. Um, you know, and I've talked to white people, and I've talked to other people. Yes, there, there are systemic problems within the black community itself. We need to work on those. We do. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts yep. with every single home. So there's there's enough to go around. We, we all have an actual item that we can work on or two uh, to help improve the overall mm-hmm. situation. But that doesn't excuse uh, violence, racism, and all that. You know, and, I, and I've had debates with people. I said a black person can be, you know, it can be biased. But can you really be racist? Because racist, it that comes with power. Uh, a, a, you know, you can you can actually influence something, make a change. And most of black people are right. not in that position to be able to do that. Yeah, basically, you're saying, you know, when you have power, you know, you have power because you have the ability to reward Correct. and punish. Right, and black people as a collective. We do not have the ability to punish white people because they don't come to us for their for their jobs. They don't come to us for those things. So they can make a living without coming to us because they've essentially hoarded right. all the resources. And they've legally been able to do that. That is not because they were smarter. They set up laws to where we were not able to gain access to resources. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have to, when we're talking to people who like to then deflect the discussion on, say, what about, you know, you get, you get, you get conservative blacks and you get a lot of whites who may talk about black on black violence, for instance, right? They say, well, wait a minute, why, why aren't more blacks talking about the violence that is, you know, Committed against blacks. And and we and and, the, and and my response still to that though is that's that's as important. But today we're talking about the other important I mean, you know, police brutality. This is important too. We can't tackle everything at the well, same time, well, but you know this so called black on black thing can be attributed uh-huh. to racist practices. I'm gonna tell you how. You take a bunch of people, take away hope, you know, they're literally surviving and throw them all together, of course they're gonna fight one another. And and, mm-hmm. and it's all by design. If you look at in the city, you know you got you got some classes they don't have school books. You know, I, I ran into students on the high school level who cannot tell time on the analog clock. How, mm-hmm. how the hell yeah, did you get that far 
And no and no one noticed this that oh, this guy, you know. Right, so when, right. when when you take all these things into account, uh education secondary, and you know, this whole um you know, board board uh Ron versus board of education uh ruling well, schools and stuff supposed to be desegregated. Well, you go into the inner city and see how desegregated they are. They're not. <laughs> they're, they're, they're either all black no, or they're white. No, they're not. Well, you know, all white in the city, but in the suburbs, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, they're not integrated. It's not equal. So let's start there. And they already know about it in the third grade. Uh, statistically, where to start building prisons at, um, based on the region scores. Mm-hmm. Right, that's right, that's right, that's right. And you know, I I don't think that people want to acknowledge things like that, right? I, a lot of people on the conservative side they don't want to acknowledge things like that, and those are you got to acknowledge that, man. These things are planned out. Our uh, failures are by design. They're planned. You know, our future incarceration. 1970, I think there were 350,000 people incarcerated around the United States. Okay, Mm -hmm. now we're at like 1.5 or something like that million that's incarcerated with like 60, 60 to 70% of those being minorities. Okay? When we right. know blacks only make up right. 13% of the country, but we're over 50% of all the jails. Mm-hmm. I mean, the numbers are telling you, and it's been yeah. telling you, what the hell is going on? No mm-hmm. one, no one, everyone ignores it. Right. Yep. Well, and, and that's why when you see these videos, they're so it, 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 it it's like a it's like it's a wake up. And, it serves and as a wake up. Same thing. They kill a because kill a black person, then uh, within a few days they're gonna start bringing up every piece of dirt they can on that person to say, hey, yeah, well, yep, you know, yeah, he did get killed, but he, you know, he who cares? You know, he was this type of person. He want to demonize. He was a horrible person. Right, right. Isn't that what uh, what's that? Uh, Candace, oh, black, yeah. Candace Owen, the uh, yeah. black conservative political critic. I, I oh would, my gosh! I would. What, she's on this. She's on this campaign to tell the world that George Floyd was a horrible person or whatever. And you're just like, oh my god! What are you so, doing? What are you doing? Nobody said the guy was an angel. No one said he was an angel, but it is clear. That he should not have lost I would his take life. Top dollar to sit across from her, because when I get done hitting her in the head with knowledge, and you know she's not gonna fast talk me. I was because something she's saying is, I mean, it's tyranny. You you're spreading this message out there. You're fanning the flames. She is definitely part of the problem, and she's not the only one. Yeah. Well. She's she's allowed herself to be used as a tool by Trump and other conservatives. I think he played a video uh, of her comments about George Floyd. So he's using he's using her, this black conservative, as as a tool to get the message out about 
if you know, this became a Republican, I think 2016. Yeah, and I'm sure she probably doesn't even really believe the things that she's saying. She's just using this uh, little little uh, platform as a as a means to gain some recognition and make money. Talks about it. She talks about the NCAA. I mean, people uh, like that are NXT. She talks about them when they sued on her behalf when she was a teenager, and she got over thirty some thousand dollars out of it. Now, according to her, you're oh, good. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they sued the the you're mayor, the, the mayor of her city, uh, who was white, had a son that uh-huh. was harassing her. I don't know why. What was the basis of his harassment? But the end, uh, right. uh, NAACP sued on her behalf, and she got a, a thirty-some thousand dollar reward right. out of that. Award, not a reward, award. Right, right. See, these are these are things that organizations, these are things that people like us should make the public aware of. You know, because I'm sure a lot of her conservative followers don't know these facts. I'm sure. I'm sure they don't know these facts. Yeah, these 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 black conservative tools are are, are so funny. about her is white. They're joking. to a white man. And you know what? I I don't have a problem with this whole <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a problem. That that part, I mean But when you do it, when you're right? using it as a tool or well, have an agenda with it, now yes. I have a problem with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, brother, I tell you, man, we could we could talk about these things forever. Uh, but again, I would like to it, it, it. What I would like to see happen is the, the demonstrations, the protests, all of this stuff transfer to actionable legislation. Right. Want to see police departments hiring differently. We want want to see them. uh you know, training differently. We want want to see police officers be p- police officers having to have liability policies, being financially held accountable for their actions. You know, and it would be nice if police officers lived in the communities where they're working, or lived nearer. Like I said, I know you did mention that legally that may not be feasible, but even if they lived in a 20 mile right. proximity to the communities where they're working. Or, I think that would change things. And there needs to be, you know, if you, if, 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 if the community is 80% African-American, there needs to be an 80% African-American police force. We cannot have a majority of people coming from a different outside of the community or a different, a different race they don't have a policing black people. I would even uh, admit that to say volunteer hours built into their work schedule where, you know, where they're actually yes. doing things in the community to help uplift the community. Because right now, too many of them are using right. just a paycheck. Well, I, I live over here. I'm going to go here and work, need a couple heads in, punch out, and I'll go back to, you know, where I Mm-hmm. Right. In other words, I think what we're what we're saying, po- 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 being a police officer is not like a regular job. It, it should you should see this as a yes. service to your community. However, many of the police officers 
They don't see it that way. They're not doing their, it's not their community and they're not there to do a service to the community. And you have to question their intentions. What it, what it was the intention behind right. becoming a police officer in the first place? I mean, you seem to be a racist. Why would you want to be a police officer in a black community? It just doesn't, right. you seem to have bad intentions. Right. It, it's, it's like you not liking kids who are working in the school. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Why would you want to do that? It just doesn't. These are, but these are the common sense. Everything that we've mentioned, you know, I, you can listen to program after program after program. And this is when you know things are set up, things are this way by design. I've listened to so many programs where you don't hear common sense things right. like this discussed. I mean, why is it that majority African American cities tend to have a majority of white cops? That doesn't make any sense. When there, when, when, when there's incident after incident after incident of police brutality from white cops, that doesn't make sense. It's a hiring issue. So what? It, so you're telling me that they have to be hired to do this, and we we have to. It's like we avoid the elephant well, in the well, room back conversations. To the, um, Ahmaud Aubrey, if I'm saying his name correctly, the yep. retired officer that was. The father that was involved in this uh, shooting of him, his his training hours had elapsed, and yeah, yeah, this guy hadn't been up on his training, he hadn't kept up, and he was, uh, I guess, sort of grandfathered yeah. or given a waiver. He was given a waiver, and so and a lot of those hours that he wasn't held accountable. Was training and so forth. Things of that nature, you know. Right. And you know, as I, you know, yeah. as you know, I mentor, and some of the things that I share with uh, the young men that I mentor, look, the cops are not going to stop and say, "Hey, did you grow up without a father in the home? Um, oh, is yeah. your mother on drugs? Oh, okay. Or did you are were you in special ed? They don't care." All they know is no, they don't. You did this, and I'm allowed to do this to you. <laughs> Simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And on that point, a lot of people don't know this, but police officers kind of work on a quota system, and so they are incentivized uh, based on the number of arrests they make, right? And so, you know. It's, it's really. I mean, they 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 will arrest the same person over and over. You talk to certain people in certain communities, and they you wonder why they know police officers and why they have so much contact with police officers, and it's because these police officers are incentivized to make arrests, and they will make. They see these people as low hanging fruit in certain communities. You know, you get a housing project. They see these young men well, I, as low-hanging fruit, easy to, to arrest I I know a bit and about keep that, their numbers uh, up. With my, as a youth and with my interactions with the city of Livonia, and uh, you, I, I, I'm sure you know what, where I'm going with that one. So, yeah, yeah, I remember you had yeah, some, you had some driving uh, violations. 
Oh, and they would harass you on site. Here it comes. As soon as our eyes were locked, yep. here, here yep. comes, you know, here comes the, the, the sirens. Here, here comes the the lights. You know, and then at the time, right? You know, like I explained to my mother, she was like, "Well, you should have paid your tickets or, or, or you know, handled your business." You're right. I should have. I said, "I, I said, I, I probably could have used a mentor at the time because I really didn't." You know, mm-hmm. understand how all that was interrelated. You know, and mm-hmm. I was just an angry black guy from the from the city of Inkster that knew how to fight with his hands and his mouth. And I didn't know how to use the legal mm-hmm. system. I didn't mm-hmm. understand that I need to be, you know, have myself together. So therefore, my argument would would be that much be heard. You know, because as soon as they find dirt, right. Uh, right? What is he talking about? Yeah, you you quickly dismiss. Oh yeah, and yeah. you know, I was complaining mm-hmm. about being harassed, and my own family, you know, was like, huh? no, nobody took it seriously. Mm-hmm. 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 And it, it, that that's. That's so troubling when you think about it, because we are overly policed and overly harassed, but we're the we are so quick in many cases to, uh, you know, pretend like it's not happening and not take it seriously. You know, when all of us know someone personally who's incarcerated and may have been incarcerated for something that was pretty minor. No, like this whole marijuana thing, so, you know. So there's a question out there, and I'm gonna present this question, and to all the listeners, they hear it. I want them to think about the, what I'm about to ask. Is it really about following the laws, or is it, or is it strictly about revenue? Because we take this whole marijuana thing, you know. People going to jail left and right over weed. All right. Now, mm-hmm. uh, it hasn't been legalized federally, but on many state levels, it's, it's legal now. They even going back and erasing convictions on that. Mm-hmm. Well, hold that thought, brother. Hold that thought, because that leads to another full discussion that uh, you and I, we need to have, uh, because right. that, that's another 30-minute discussion. And, you know, I know a little bit about that. So, yeah, let's hold that thought. But I want to thank you again, man, for just setting aside some time and helping us kind of, you know, make some sense of what needs to what the next steps need to be, what needs to happen inside of the police departments, uh, what needs to happen uh, in the cities, in the city, what the city council members need to do and what needs to happen on a state level, because, you know, we we have to see these changes implemented within the uh, police departments to really see this. Uh, and you don't need police PhDs brutality to do kind this. of things. You know, most of this stuff is pretty common sense. No, you don't. It's common sense. You do not need PhDs. As a matter of fact, you want in many cases, in many cases, you want to get you want to run the PhDs away because these are not. The things that we're talking about are not necessarily these big philosophical things that require all this, you know, conversation and everything. Right. It's just not. 
So, so brother, again, I thank you for coming on and, uh, we are, we're, we're going to have to uh, pick up where we left off on the, uh, marijuana medical, whether it's medical marijuana, both actually, yes, sir. uh, and no, uh, have Thanks another discussion on. on that. Oh, pleasure's mine, man. Thank you.